0: A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio, Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday.
1: Happy Saturday, Dan. Now, before we get to the show, I want to talk about something that you have talked about, and literally, I thought you were insane. Uh-huh. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) I have not told you that I thought you were nuts, but I did. Thought you were psycho. You told me that the phones were listening to us and reading our minds. I could live with the listening. Well, they are
2: listening. That's a fact.
1: That one I could handle.
2: But... I really do think that there is technology out there that maybe we don't know about yet where they are able to somehow tap into Doo-doo. our brainwaves. Yeah. yeah, crazy talk,
1: crazy, crazy. talk. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. I would listen and I would smile and nod, as is my way, because I would never want you to feel stupid. Don't
2: upset her, she's crazy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who
1: knows what she might do. Yeah. Well, anyway, last night... A couple of really weird things happened that I really can't explain. First off, I'm on Facebook and I'm scrolling and I see this picture of an elderly man, you know, in a, in a uniform. And honestly, it reminded me mm-hmm. of Leslie Nielsen from uh, the police squad show or from airplane movies. Okay. You know, it looked yep. like a, a, a uniform like that. And I thought, oh, Leslie Nielsen. And then my first thought was, he died. Oh, he died. And honestly, I don't know if he's alive or dead, but I had assumed at this point he was alive. So I thought this was one of those posts about, oh, guess who now is dead? Well, it turns out it's not. And I'm looking at the picture and I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's not Leslie Nielsen, the actor. That's somebody else. And then I look closely and it was Andrew Cernon, uh, an astronaut who had died four or so years ago. And I had liked his page because Betsy and I did a, a... the Radio show tape. on yes. duct tape. So anyway, I thought, oh, that's kind of funny. He looked like Leslie Leslie Nielsen and reminded me of that. I scrolled two literal finger scrolls, whoop, whoop, and an entirely different page, a, a, a different page that I follow has posted a photo of a young Leslie Nielsen, literally within seconds of me thinking I saw Leslie Nielsen. That I thought was strange.
2: That's pretty strange. Yeah,
1: and completely unrelated pages. And there have been
2: other ones you've told me about like this. What's funny is that this does not happen to me. It happens to you all the time, and yet you're the one that thinks I'm crazy. I know.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm not sure anymore because last night was the, the big one. I'm reading... A little book, and it's talking about in 1954, the first color television broadcast, blah, 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 blah. And then it says the little screen was, it was so tiny and the colors were so vibrant. You know, they're describing Mm -hmm. it. This is what the, the newspaper articles were printing. So I'm reading that and thinking about it, and I'm picturing the TV. I went to Facebook. And the same page that gave me the young Leslie Nielsen, Uh now I scroll and it says, 11 minutes ago, they posted this, there is a 1954, it says right in the description, here is a TV from 1954. It's exactly the TV I pictured. And it's... See, that's too much. How does that happen? Now, I was reading in the Kindle app, so the phone technically may have known what I was reading, but this is just a web page, or I mean a Facebook page. And you
2: pictured... The exact TV.
1: I did. It was so strange, and I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe Haley's not crazy. Now you're crazy, but maybe you're not oh, that crazy. I don't think I'm that crazy. You're not crazy like cat. You know, collect a bunch of I'm cats. Not, like, crazy. Like
2: putting tin foil on the inside of my house, but you know, I think <laughs> there's some things that might be out there we don't know about.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, that was my little my little segue. I've eaten up most of the time, but that's okay. What we wanted to talk about in this first segment, and and we can make it pretty brief, because it has
2: nothing to do with what you just (laughs) talked about. Absolutely not. Well,
1: how do you not talk about that? (laughs) Yeah. Literally, this happened within 15 minutes of each other. If this
2: happens to you, I want to know about it. Please email us at radio at
1: (laughs) repcoy.com. Yes, I'd like to know, does this happen to other people? I'm sure there's a logical explanation. I'm that person. Haley's the... Let's it's gather more. It's probably aliens. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. think we
2: should just figure out if this is happening.
1: Well, I think that's very good. Yeah. So, for the last minute, <laughs> what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about tool snobbery. And yes. I think it's good to have you here, Haley, because you are a snob in many regards, right?
2: Yeah, I think I'm mostly snob. Like, mostly? Like, percentage-wise.
1: You pick a topic, <laughs> Haley's a snob. Movie snob? Yes. Yeah. Music snob? Yes. Sure, yeah. Art snob? Definitely. Definitely. Color snob? Yes. Yeah. Tool snob.
2: Well, are see, you? I don't actually think that I am. I appreciate a good tool. I really, I understand the value of them. I would like to own them, but I'm not a contractor. I don't use tools on a regular basis. I use them when I have projects, and those happen every so often. And it's nice to have good tools when I do those. But is it crucial for me to spend $400 on a chop saw? I don't know
1: right and, well and I think it's really interesting because I've run into a number of people you know before I did the show even after we started doing the show four years or so ago. And a lot of people will, there'll be something that I recommend or that I use or that I talk about and I'll I'll be cornered and they'll say, man, you need to recommend good stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't just recommend this cheap stuff that somebody might pick right. up. And my argument is that, you know, I completely get it. Like you're saying, right? there are good tools to buy. And if, if I'm really counting on this tool for time and efficiency, for a job, yes, for my career, exactly. my profession, yep. I completely get it. It's worth the investment. 100%. My argument is... I am doing this as a hobby, or I'm just doing this to fix up a couple of rooms in the home, and I need to just get it done. I don't want to sink 400 bucks into something.
2: Right. I'd be pricing myself out of a project, essentially, if I was going to buy the very best tool to do all the different parts of a single project. That's just not reasonable,
1: honestly. So what we wanted to do in this little bit is just give you the okay... From as much authority as we have.
2: Yeah, we're giving you permission <laughs> yeah, to knows? buy cheap tools. <laughs> if,
1: if it fits for your situation. Right. It's not so bad. It's definitely a way to get into a project. Don't abandon or right. delay a project indefinitely just because you can't afford the particular the best, tool. There might right. be a cheaper version. I've got a chop saw that was 99 bucks that's gotten me through 10 or 15 years worth of little projects around the house. And I think it would have been a shame to abandon all those projects and just wait for the time when I could get the big expensive exactly. one. Exactly. All right, that's that's that. And remember, if you do have any phone reading your mind things, we want to know. Radio at repcolite.com. And right now we're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll be talking about decorating your home and we'll be dishing out the five laws of interior design as codified by the Repcolite Home Improvement Show. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned.
0: Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM.
1: Well, Haley, decorating a room or a home or picking paint colors, tackling paint projects—all of that is just easy for some people. Some people, yeah, just, I just think it's natural for some people, supernatural. But for many of us, though, it can be a struggle. It's a stressful process. We worry about the results. We're never happy with the results. (laughs) We feel like we just can't get it, at least not easily like some people, right?
2: Right. It takes a lot of effort and help and other opinions, and And, and it can be stressful. Right.
1: And we just want to be the expert that we see other people be. Right. Well, the thing is, you are kind of that expert. I've worked with you for about a year now, just over a year, and I've seen that this kind of thing comes really natural to you.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, I have an art background, I have a design background, and for a long time I was just picking colors for people. I mean, it is something that comes very naturally, it's intuitive, and yet I still struggle with it sometimes. And I love that
1: because it's been very intimidating. (laughs) You know, I've got a lot of amazing gifts. A lot uh-huh. of gifts. Yeah. I've got a list of gifts <laughs> Let's on the not website. Go okay, the list. we don't have to talk about them. <laughs> but this is not one of them. I have to work for it mm-hmm. if I get there when it comes to design and decorating and stuff like that. And you don't. It seems very natural and just flows. And so when we were talking about a week ago or so about your home and you were going through a number of different conflicts Changes. or problems that yeah. you ran into, struggles, <laughs> I loved it. And in the course of that conversation, we decided there are like five laws. We decided to call them laws because it just seems really official, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It right. does, yeah. Very, very profound. Five laws of interior design. And most of these played out in your project, and I think they will help all of us out there. I mean, if you're really good at this, these will still help you. But if you do struggle and it's stressful sometimes to get the right colors, to make your space look the way you want it, one or more of these will definitely help you feel a little better about the process. Exactly. So let's get to the first one. The first law of interior design, according to the Repolite Home <laughs> Improvement Show, is this. It's okay to try to break out of your comfort zone only to end up back in it. All right? It's okay to try to break out. And still end up back in your comfort zone. It's true. You did this with your home. You talked, when you bought this back in September, Mm -hmm. you talked nonstop. It was a little annoying.
2: Nonstop. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. About white. You're going to put white everywhere.
2: Yes. I did talk about the dining room being white, the kitchen, the bathroom, the living room. Being white. Even, you know, the sun porch, I think, specifically, too. Everything.
1: Yeah. And and not just white, but all of them are going to be a different off-white from what well, I remember. Yeah. So I kept thinking, oh my goodness, she's got all these ideas, all this nuance that she sees in color. And wow, my gosh. Anyway, turns out you're going back to all a lot of color, especially in the dining room. That was the the, the room that we were talking about. And I think it's funny because it turns out this whole all-white thing that I thought was just your natural
2: Right, because it was kind of the first thing that we had talked about yeah. was white colors, and then when I bought this home, I was, again, talking about white. So you thought that, oh, she really when likes I, white paint. Right.
1: When I asked you about my back living room, mm-hmm. that, that family room, you've got recommendations of all different off-whites, and I just assumed that's your thing. And so when I heard you were going to color... I thought, ooh, let's talk about the fact that you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. And you said, no, turns out color is my comfort zone. Yes. White wasn't. And then I was even more intrigued because (laughs) here we got you stepping outside of the comfort zone, which is something we all feel we're told to do by everybody. Ourselves, our family. Even the Replicate Home Improvement Show. Right, we tell you to step outside (laughs) of your comfort zone. And when you end up coming back to it, because a lot of us have done that. I've tried to do it Mm -hmm. and I come back and I don't want to tell anybody. That yeah, I ended up like with failed, beige again. Right, right. Because yeah. it, it feels like a failure. It feels like I was unable to step outside. I'm just mired in the past. You did that, and I think it's hilarious. But what we wanted to say here is that it's okay.
2: Yeah, it is. I. I'm proud of myself for trying to go with white. And I think that I did that because it didn't feel wrong. It looked good. Mm
1: -hmm. Because it was in the house already. Right.
2: Exactly. It was already white walls in there. And I didn't see anything necessarily wrong with that. From an aesthetic standpoint, it wasn't a bad color. And we had talked about you know the modernist movement on the show. And I really loved the idea of a white space. Mm -hmm. This clean space that was appealing for me. Turns out, It doesn't feel right. Like Just because it looks good doesn't mean that it's the right feeling that I want in my home. I really like cozy, dramatic, darker spaces in my home, and especially in the dining room, which is what sparked the whole conversation.
1: Right. I think it's really, really good because a lot of us do have certain styles. A lot of us have had conversations with people where they'll, they've let us know that the colors we like are a little dated. Mm-hmm. That's that's dated. This isn't cool anymore. And yes, it's it's good to try to stretch outside your bounds. It's good to try to push the yes. the limits a little bit and to right. try new things. But it is absolutely fine to end up back in something that maybe isn't currently trendy if you love it.
2: Right. Because it's, it's your, your space. Home. Exactly. Right. It's got to feel right to you.
1: Right. Comfort zone isn't a dirty word. It's not something, you know, in no, our day and yeah. age, it feels like, right. oh, he's in his comfort zone.
2: Exactly. And in a
1: lot of ways, maybe that's not always good. But in our homes, it's our homes. It's supposed it's to be our okay to be in your comfort zone. <laughs> so that's the first law we wanted to talk about. Just to say it's okay to stick with something that you really love. You don't have to always push the boundaries. All right. The second law. And this ties in really, really nicely with what you just started to talk about. The second law, according to the RepColite Home Improvement Show, second law of interior design, let the space tell you what it needs. And this sounds really, really crazy and touchy-feely, but it's true. Our homes will talk to us if we let them.
2: Well, and especially when you move into a new place, I think this is extremely important. You know, obviously, that's still something to be doing in the home that you're in currently, whether you've been there for a long time or not. But definitely, when you're moving into a new space and this is a new home to you, you've got to, you know, learn the house a little bit. It's starting a relationship in a lot of ways. And I'm really glad that I just left the white on the walls and didn't decide to paint everything right away.
1: And that's counterintuitive, really. When when we move into a home or when we've got friends that are moving, I did it to you. Mm-hmm. First question is, are you going to get everything painted before you move your furniture in? Right. You know, when I moved into my home, that's mom's first question to me. It's a tradition. I passed it on <laughs> to you. Well, it
2: seems intuitive. It's an empty space. You don't have to move the furniture out of the way. It's just easier. Well, it's a clean start.
1: Mm-hmm. You've got that fresh, clean paint smell, not the old dog smell or whatever was there (laughs) before, right? So it does feel really good and it makes sense, but sometimes painting before we know the house can cost us money, time, and energy. And so we decided we're gonna recommend the following plan. Make the changes and improvements, if if this is a new home team, make the changes and improvements that are critical You know, Do that right away. There's certain things that you had to take care of right away. For sure. Got to get those things taken care of. But if possible, wait on some of the painting until you've been there a while to learn the house and give it time to talk to you. And that's what you did with your dining room. You had to let it talk to you. And what did it tell you, Haley? What did your dining room (laughs) tell you?
2: Well, I mean, for starters, this is a room with dark built-ins. It's got beams on the ceiling. Um, There's a lot of wood trim that is dark. And... At the time, it was summer. Um, There's a lot of leaves on the trees outside, so it was kind of dark even though it was white. I thought, well, it's not always going to feel like this, though. I want to see what the winter is like. And We had one of those days where it was really bright and sunny outside. There's no longer leaves on the trees and there's snow on the ground. So The most light this room is going to get is happening Right now, and it's still not by any means a bright space,
1: so (laughs) it's not matching those photos in your head. Having
2: like this idea of this, like, oh, white walls with like all of this light, it's never gonna be that room, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. And so, you've got to adjust to that because if you try to push it towards. The vision that you have, if the room is telling you that it's leaning another direction, you've got a lot to overcome. You would have to overcome all this huge woodwork that you've got, a lot of big, dark woodwork. And what is it? Almost eight inches, the baseboards and stuff. You've got beams in the ceiling with with a lot of wood tones, built-ins with wood tones, a lot going on, a lot to overcome.
2: It's a lot that's pushing it in the dark and cozy direction, and so to try to make it something that's light and airy, I mean, it's really just not realistic. I'm fighting what the house
1: is telling me. Right. So let your house talk to you. Like we said, it sounds touchy-feely, but here are a few practical ways you can do that. First off, consider how the room handles light. You know, what is it like in the daytime, the afternoon, the evening? That's one way the house will talk to you. Consider how you want to use the room. That's another thing. Is it a cozy space for TV and downtime or an active space? I've got a cozy back living room, you know, dark tones, Mm -hmm. similar to what you described with the Yeah, it's kind of like a den
2: space. Right.
1: I've got a darker color on the wall. There's poor lighting. The problem is we're not big TV watchers. We're generally active. We're playing games. And so that dark, cozy space isn't what we're looking for. And the room doesn't get used very much because of that. And so, you know, one thing for us to keep in mind is how do we want to use the space? That might influence the colors I choose. But... It's also important to listen to the architectural elements in the space. Like you had the beams on the ceiling, the dark woodwork. I've got a fireplace in that room. I've got big built-in wood bookcases and all of that. I've and they got
2: take up a lot of
1: room huge too. Huge amount of room. I've got dark beams. I've got a similar issue. I've got a lot that I've got to overcome. And so, listening to all of that, it helps me realize that, okay, my original plan, thanks to you, was (laughs) to go with an off-white.
2: Yeah, you wanted it to be a lighter space.
1: But I think what I need to do is go with something lighter than what's on the walls now, Mm -hmm. but definitely darker than an off-white. I need to compromise. And I think that alone will help. And also, listening to the space, I was telling you about all of this as we were kind of brainstorming it, and it hit me, why in the world? I'm busy throwing out how the room is very poorly lit. Right. Why have I not added more lamps? (laughs) That is something easy to do.
2: True. Yeah. You can always add artificial lighting to make up for some of that.
1: Right. So listen to your house. Listen to your space. It can save you from trying to make a room into a space that it can't easily be. It's going to save you money and time and all of that. All right. That's the first two laws. We've got three more to cover. Should we get that on the other side or should we just I... <laughs> abandon it and move on to new ground? I think
2: we've got to finish the laws. All right,
1: we'll finish the laws on the other side of the break. That's just ahead. Stay tuned.
0: Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300. And one hundred six nine FM, and we're back. And Haley and I
1: are in the middle of what we've called the five laws of interior design, according to Dan and Haley, right?
2: <laughs> according to the Repcolite Home Improvement exactly. Show. Exactly. Yeah. Very and official.
1: Yes, it's very official. We're not sure how real professionals would feel about our five laws.
2: Oh, we're professionals. Oh, so. oh, oh! I
1: should not have. <laughs> well, my cards are on the table.
2: We're not pretending. Dan. No, we're
1: not. <laughs> Wow. Really? I'm not protected. Okay, okay. There we go. That's fair. (laughs) Anyway, we think they're good. We think they're solid. We're pretty sure that most people would think they're solid. Anyway, we've gone over the first two. We're moving on to the third one. And the third law of interior design, according to the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show, is this. It's okay to go slowly. And we do need to clarify here. We're not saying that it's good to procrastinate. That's bad. Right. Procrastination is usually a bad thing. And we're not saying that it's good to start a project and delay in finishing it, because that also is bad. Finishing projects is good for us. And we feel positive about accomplishments and being stuck in the midst of any number of unfinished projects is really, really stressful. It
2: is really stressful
1: for us and everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Everybody else in the home. Nobody likes living in a state of upheaval. So we're not saying just. You know, phone it in and work yeah, when you feel like it. Yeah,
2: zero time on the table. That's right. not necessarily right. But living in this like to-do list mentality isn't necessarily right either. I mean, the point is not just to finish the kitchen.
1: Just to cross it off my list. It's to
2: beautify it, right?
1: Right. And if that takes a little extra time, that's the main goal. Sometimes we shift. We think the main goal is getting the project done. Mm-hmm. And that's a goal. That's a big part of it. But the literal main goal in most paint projects is to make the space better. Right. So let's not compromise the main goal in order to just accomplish a quicker goal.
2: Exactly. You can get get something done done and then it can feel
1: awful ultimately. Right. Now, your bathroom, again, this is what started the whole thing is your
2: My problems. Your
1: problems, (laughs) your plans for your home and how they've changed. Your bathroom is a great example. You have walls with wainscoting and your initial plan is that you're going to have two different colors, right? Yep. But they were going to be variations on white.
2: Well, no. Originally, it was just going to be both white. And then I changed it and I thought, okay, the wainscoting is going to be bluish and the top will be white still. And I even painted samples on the wainscoting. I sure. like left it that way for a long time even. And I have kind of procrastinated actually on starting that painting project because it didn't feel totally right yet. I mean, it looked good, but it didn't feel... Like I wanted it to feel yet. Mm -hmm. And I finally landed on it needs to be black.
1: The wainscoting needs to be black. Exactly. But you're still not sure. Right. Yeah. You asked
2: me, Okay, so what are you going to do on the upper part of the wall? And I said, I don't know yet. You're like, so you're going to sample some colors for the top? No, I think I'm just going to wait until I've got the wainscoting painted black And then I'll be able to really figure out
1: what the top needs to be. I love that because it is counterintuitive. It's not the way projects work. I was trying to think. I'm sure it's happened. But I don't know many times in the 10 or whatever years I was in the store at Lakewood, I can't think of many times where somebody came in and got paint for part of their room.
2: Right. (laughs) Normally. painting the bathroom. Yeah. But I only want this part of the bathroom. (laughs) I'm going to
1: come back for the other paint later. No, everybody picks the colors out. Most people pick the colors out in combinations. If there's multiples, we're going to get it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And that can be stressful because, like you're saying, you were unable to visualize it. And you were even working with samples painted on the wall. And you're a visual person. Right. And you couldn't make that connection between what is the right color for that top.
2: Because I think it's not just visualizing, it's experiencing it. I think that is the part that is ultimately what we're going for is the experience of the space. And so whether you can see the color on the wall and it looks good or not, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be right ultimately.
1: So you're going to paint the wainscoting black, mm-hmm. wainscoting. There really are two different ways to say that, right? We dug into that and we that. go back and forth yeah. because we have
2: no idea which one we like better. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, You're going to paint that black and then just live with it for a while. Yeah. Until you figure out what the room is telling you, what the space needs, and then you'll get that top part painted. And I think that is really good advice for anybody out there who may be in a similar situation where you just can't nail down all the colors. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. As long as you, you know, paint the bathroom, you're not going to leave trays and drop cloths out
2: for four weeks running.
1: Nobody would like that. You're going to get the room cleaned up. You're going to live with it. You'll make your choice and you'll get the rest of it painted. Just wanted to say that's okay to do. You're going to be in the house for years, a lot of us, right? Exactly. It doesn't have to be a sprint to get these projects done. It's a marathon. Yeah. If it takes a little bit of a slower approach Take to get it to pieces. great results, that's okay. That's law number three. The fourth law of RepcoLite Home Improvement Show interior design is this, never underestimate the importance of sampling color in your space. So many color mistakes happen because we pick colors in the paint store when we're there to get the paint. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Legitimately, people walk in the store and they just decide that they're going to walk away with paint today and they're just going to pick the color at the color chip rack. It's very easy. Then they're going to get their paint. And they'll go home and it'll be done that day or that weekend. Right. And
1: they never take those <sighs> chips home and look at them in their lighting. It's that's
2: really problematic.
1: A big mistake. But really, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to picking colors and mistakes that happen. Color chips will never give you a great idea of how a color is going to look in the space. I mean, it's it, they're too two small. by two. <laughs> and right. It's pretty hard to see two inches by two inches and put that visually on a wall for Right.
2: You. Well, scale changes everything, texture changes a lot, the lighting conditions in your room t- changes a lot, and your eyes are built to average colors together. So, until we're able to just focus on a single color in our vision, we're not going to see that color accurately.
1: So to do that, you've actually got to get paint on the wall, and really, not just a little bit. Benjamin Moore color samples are available in pints right now. They're transitioning very soon, or kind of right now, that's all happening. They're transitioning to half pints. Half pints, yep. So smaller, it's going to be a little cheaper investment, like six bucks, something like that. And that half pint is still going to cover, though, about 25 square feet with one coat of paint.
2: Exactly. So
1: don't be afraid to apply some paint to a wall. Don't just paint a small section that's not much bigger than... A color chip.
2: Well, right. I think most people take a couple, you know, dips out of the paint can, paint it on the wall really quick, and then they decide. Really, you should be trying to paint as much of that wall as possible in that moment because, again, your eye can only see that color accurately when it's the only thing your eye can actually see within your vision.
1: Right. So roll it onto the wall and live with it for a little while. Check it out in different lighting conditions, different times of day. Take the time to make the right choice. The color is the driving force when it comes to the feel of a room. And painting the room, it's a huge investment of time and money. So you want to make sure you get it right. Spend that six bucks, or whatever it is, to get that sample before you make your color choice, right? Exactly. It's worth
2: the time and investment.
1: Because we're talking about applying paint samples to the wall, we should give a few practical tips so that you end up with good results. Yes. So you don't want to paint a big blob on the wall (laughs) and then have to sand it all down in order to make your wall smooth again, right? Right. So first little practical tip is paint larger areas, as we mentioned, so that you can see the color better. That's easy. Don't tape off nice little squares and paint inside of those. Yes, that's the other thing that
2: people do. And then you end up with paint building up around the edges of that tape, and now you can actually see those lines under the coat of paint that you're going to put on there later.
1: Right. It kind of looks like art. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Or just a mistake. Instead, feather the edges out to minimize that effect. Use a roller. Rather than a brush, that's another good little tip.
2: Yeah, we talk about it when we talk about doing touch-ups on your wall. You know, the texture of the applicator makes a big difference in the way that color looks. Actually, so use a jumbo coder. Um, they're by Wooster, and they actually have the same nap as the large versions that you'll use on your walls when you're actually painting. Right. It's so a, you get the same
1: texture. It's a little funny. Jumbo coder yes. actually means a four <laughs> and a half inch mini. mini roller. Yeah. And yeah, like Haley said, their big claim to fame besides the fact that they work really well, they're really nice tools, they also mimic the same roller texture as the bigger Uh, tools that you're going to use when you paint the wall. Exactly. Completely. So that's really nice. One last quick thought on color samples. Don't overdo it with numbers. Too many color samples will not give you a better idea of which color to go with. It's actually going to make choosing much, much harder. Yes. So limit your number of samples. You know, work with color chips first. Right. Exactly. Get
2: it narrowed down. I think putting three color samples up is really reasonable. That's a great place to start.
1: All right. Let's move on to the last law that we've got. The fifth law of interior design, according to the RepcoLite Home Improvement, Improvement show, who are not pretending to be experts, but are in fact <laughs> truly experts, the fifth law is this. If you've got a paint project on the horizon, start working on color choices now. And on the horizon could mean a year from now. It could mean six Two months weeks. from now. Right. Whatever that means. If you've got something coming up, it's not too early to start working on colors. And this... this applies whether you're going to do the work yourself, and especially it's true if you're going to hire a painter. Yes, that's critical. You've got to make sure that you've got the time necessary to do all the things in all the other laws. That we talked about. Right. To before. Be able to take
2: your time, make right. the mistakes, sample things.
1: We have talked to people. We've interviewed somebody on the show who talked about a huge color fiasco that she had. Right. And it all boiled down to the fact that she found herself, first off, she got a bunch of different color samples. I too think she, many. She had 10 yep. samples painted on the wall, asked too many opinions. That yep. could have been another law. Limit the number of opinions you seek because it's going to slow you down and confuse you. And the other thing she told us that, that really was the icing on the cake was that the day before the painter came, she had to get the whole room cleaned out and ready to go and still pick her color. And so she just picked a color.
2: Yeah, the one that she hated the least, basically. Right,
1: and had the room painted, and then proceeded to spend the next year, or whatever it was, six months, however long she lived with it, hating it. Hating the decision, hating the fact that she made the decision so rushed, hating the fact that she paid all that money Mm -hmm. to make a room feel like a space she didn't want to be in. All of that. It's a terrible, terrible sequence of events.
2: Right. And she was even trying to break out of her comfort zone, too. So it was just compounding the fact that this wasn't right.
1: Right. So definitely give yourself the time. Start choosing those colors now. And the last thing we'll mention, it's not a law, but it is something that's helpful, is we can help you with a lot of that. Repcolite has color consultants in the stores. And a number of our stores are right now, I mean, we've done this in the past, but we're making a bigger effort to really promote this, we've got a number of stores where color consultants will go to your house
2: exactly and
1: help you figure out what colors you need. Haley, it's a really
2: you... valuable service um, that I don't know that many people know exists. People come into the stores and they can get some color help while they're there. For but, free. Right. No exactly. problem. That's free. And that can be really helpful if you're trying to figure out a direction or just hone in on the right Um, undertones of a specific color that you're looking for. But really, if you're feeling stuck or you're taking on a really large project like your entire house, you're picking multiple colors at a time, it is so nice to have someone in the house in your lighting with all of the furniture to be able to help you make an accurate decision based on those elements.
1: And we've got a number of our stores. Which stores are currently doing that? They've got people on staff. Foley
2: Street, Plainfield, 17th Street, And Jenison.
1: All right. So all of those stores, we're going to put a link in the show notes. It's $85 for an hour for a home visit. And you can get a lot of help that way if you need it. But remember, we've also got uh, color consultants in the store who will help you anytime you stop in for free. There's no charge for that. But if you do want somebody to come to your home and actually you know, really dig in, we can help you with that. Absolutely. All right. More info in the show notes. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about drop cloths again. But this time it's going to be plastic ones. And we're going to talk about the paper that you can use. We kind of trashed trashed these things last week. (laughs) They do have a value. All of their fans spoke out. We want to address that. And that's just ahead. Stay tuned.
0: If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost. On news radio, Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. And we're
1: back, and Haley, we're going to talk
0: about drop cloths again. Again. Yeah, we did yeah. it last week,
1: and we did our best to make it interesting. We know drop cloths aren't the most exciting thing. It's kind in the of a paint dry world.
2: subject, right? Pun intended.
1: It's not like the paint world is loaded with terribly. I mean, sometimes there are really exciting products. Sure. And I don't. I know. I'm not making a joke. Scuff X. Yeah, It's a really exciting, exciting product. RepcoLite's Optima, that new paint that we're, we've made, about what a year old or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just about a year. Hearing really good things. It's exciting. The technology that actually plays into paint, that part can be exciting and fun. If, for people, for regular people, it's exciting just to see how it works better than a previous coating did. That's where the technology plays out. Yes. And that's where it's fun and exciting. But really, in the paint world, when we're talking about the paint tools, there's not a lot of rah-rah exciting stuff. And drop cloths really, when when you're comparing, well, really, it's really how low. much
2: have they changed over? Drop cloths,
1: yeah, <laughs> not a lot of changes. So feel a little weird talking about it two weeks in a row. But last week we really kind of did something a little little sad. Well, we made fun of and really tore down. Yeah. yeah, we disparaged the plastic drop cloths because
2: and, we were really trying to make a point as to why canvas drop cloths are really great at covering flooring and how they're easier to work on. And
1: right. But we did that old thing where you make yourself look better <laughs> right, by, by like making somebody else look on, yeah. really bad. Right. And we did that to the poor plastic drop cloths and their lobby has spoken. <laughs> and we've decided there are a lot of valuable things that they provide. Yes, they they fit places, into yeah. the right scheme of things. And in fact, we realized that's in really the reason we had that opening segment. We had been drop cloth snobs. It's true. And we want to do a little bit of backpedaling. Yeah, backpedaling. <laughs> so plastic drop cloths. Why would you want one? Where do they fit? I don't still like them. I'm not going to co- go no. take what we said back. Mm-hmm. I don't like to put them on the We're floor. We're not apologizing. No, I'm not apologizing. I, I don't like to put them on the floor and work on them in that regard. That's where canvas is really nice, especially on a carpeted floor or something Agreed. like that. Don't even bother. Go with the canvas. It's going to be worth it. But the plastics really pay off for draping over furniture or other pieces like that in the room where you want a lightweight material that's still going to protect it from any paint spills or stuff like that. So they're really nice in that regard.
2: Definitely. Even if you're sanding in a room or if you're spray finishing something, taping off the room itself with some plastic drop cloths can be really helpful just to contain that spray and dust. Right,
1: because that can travel all over the place, right. and that's that's a nice way to inexpensively kind of cordon that off. Now, another thing that we should mention is we made a big point last week about how the canvas drop claws will absorb a paint spill or something, whereas the plastic ones will let it sit on the surface, and you can walk through it. Been there, done that. Tracked it through the rest of the house, you know, and that's one of the reasons we said go with a canvas. Yes. Well, what we should have mentioned is that there are paper and plastic, paper slash plastic. They're like combined. Yeah, drop cloths. They've got a, a liner that actually is is a paper layer, and that will absorb paint spills to some extent. So. Those are a, a paper plastic option that is a, still a cheaper option than going with a full canvas drop cloth, and it will perform a little better than just the straight plastic. Right. Still, I don't like walking on it. It's loud, it's crunchy.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think we're a little, you know, sensitive people. We, <laughs> we are? Can, yeah, I think we're a little sensitive. I'm rugged. Like, sensory I'm extremely wise. rugged. I just um, don't like crunchy
1: paper sounds. Right. That doesn't sound really rugged, does it?
2: <laughs> No, they're loud. It's annoying.
1: Yeah, but does that mean I'm not rugged? I grew a beard and everything, so I could say I was rugged.
2: Okay, well, that's... Now
1: I feel like a sissy.
2: Not exactly where I was going to go with that.
1: Hmm. We'll talk about it when the show's over, and then I'll get (laughs) my therapist (laughs) on the phone. (laughs) So anyway, paper and plastic, that works for that. Now, one other thing I want to mention, just because I think this is really fun, another option for covering over floors, and again... I don't like them, particularly on carpet, just because you can pop holes in them and stuff like that. The paper. Yeah, rolled paper. We've got three-foot and four-foot rolls. I believe they go to about 180 feet.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of paper.
1: A lot of paper. Three-foot wide, about 180 feet long, something like that. I could be wrong on that. But a huge amount of paper on a roll. Generally, you know, they're under 15 bucks for a roll, and they work really well on concrete, uh, hard surface. Maybe you're painting your bathroom. What's cool about it is you could actually, of course, it's paper, you cut it easily to size.
2: Well, right. So they're perfect for small spaces. I think canvas can get tricky sometimes, or plastic, when you're working in a tight space, trying to smush that canvas in there. It's, you know, creeping up on the walls a little bit. Now it actually makes it harder to paint. Whereas the paper, exactly what you said, just cut it to size, and it's perfect. Yeah. And
1: if you need multiple pieces, you just tape them together. You can make a great big, well, not a puzzle, but it kind of has that jigsaw look to it.
2: <laughs> you could make a puzzle out of it. Well,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But it will cover a floor very inexpensively. Yes. Not bad to walk on if it's a hard surface. And now, great for crafts. And that's the thing that I think is really fun is the kids love this stuff. We would bring it home and we're short people. <laughs> so for a long time, till they were in high school, they could lay on it you know, the short way, (laughs) we could trace them. So we did all kinds of fun little artsy projects with this huge roll of paper. I mean, it was so much fun for the kids. finger
2: paint, you know.
1: They would roll out the big roll. I mean, there's just something about having four foot by 20 foot of paper on the floor, taped down, that they can do anything on.
2: My dad used to work at a print shop, and he would bring home giant rolls of paper for me, and I loved it. It was my favorite thing.
1: Yeah. So that's in the store, inexpensive, under about 15 bucks or so, four foot, three-foot rolls, different sizes, there. I think we made the case that there's value for all the different tools we sell. Certain things really outperform others in certain situations, Right, but we don't want to be snobs on anything, right? No. Everything has a place. (laughs) All right. That's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at RepcoLite.com. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The RepcoLite and Port City Paint Stores are open until 3. Waiting to help. I'm Dan Hanson.
2: And I'm Healy Johnson. Thanks for listening.